Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kaya, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Surviving a Recession as a Bootstrap Business. Let's get started. Just a few weeks after the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, the first SaaS businesses are reporting cancellations. The bootstrap SaaS world may not be affected by the pandemic as much as other industries, but we're already seeing second-order effects appearing. For example, you may not be affected by the temporary closure of bars and restaurants directly. Still, if you're running a business that sells to these establishments or those that they rely on, you'll see some changes in the future. For SaaS businesses like OpenTable, this future has already started as they see bookings going down 50% and more globally. This development has a trickle-down effect into many adjacent industries, both in the same sector and beyond. Online sports betting platforms, a kind of business that did well in prior recessions, find themselves in a tight spot at the beginning of this pandemic. With most sports leagues suspended or canceled, their revenue streams that usually picked up when the economy tanked are now starting to dwindle. No recession is the same, and what worked before doesn't mean it will work reliably this time. So with the recession looming over the economy, I think it's a good time to look into what you can do in your business to get through these tough times. Just like building a sellable business results in an easy-to-run company, no matter if you intend to sell it or not, making your business recession-proof have benefits outside of tough times as well. In reflecting on my own experiences of working in SaaS businesses back in 2008 and the years after, I'll make a case for how bootstrappers can approach setting up their businesses to withstand the ups and downs of increasingly interconnected global economies. I compiled this into the AH framework, which is uh, short for awareness, anticipation, adaptation, hopeful optimism, and action. Depending on where you are in this kind of situation right now, it's either an ah or an ah, anywhere like there. Um, actionable steps to make sure you meet the challenges of a recession. So let's start with awareness, which is accepting that change is happening. It starts with not looking the other way. Things are changing during an economic downturn. The graveyards of the economy are riddled with remnants of businesses that stare change in the face decided to continue business as usual. Don't have a Kodak moment. Try selling the things you already sell for the price they always sold for and then wonder why sales go down in a world where people buy less often and want different things. Kodak is famous for continuing to sell film when digital cameras were around, even though they were the first business that was actually trying to corner the digital camera market, they still didn't pivot fast enough. You don't have to understand or directly experience the reason for a recession for it to affect you. Social upheavals happen to large groups of people, and you'll be in it whether you want to or not. So accept that change is happening in a recession. This is surprisingly hard for entrepreneurs who are usually quick to embrace change. I think it's the entrepreneurial curse, our boundless optimism when it comes to the economy. If you think that things will work out eventually, a few years of things not working so well are hard to imagine. Economic downturns are scary, but just like a booming economy, they are only times of change. You would react to more and more customers knocking on your door when things are looking better and better, right? So why not respond just as much when things are looking 
starting to look worse. Reframe the chilling word recession just uh, into something like things that impact your business that you need to react to like anything else. And you will know what to do. Awareness of change starts with you, the founder. If you have employees, you'll need to make sure they also operate from that perspective. It won't do your business any good if you're working on making the business recession-proof when your customer service agents dismiss your customers' worries and questions. Team alignment will be more important than ever, and it starts with operating in the same economic reality. It is in that reality that your business needs to survive. By accepting that long-term change is ahead of you, you'll be able to address what needs to be done without panicking. That brings us to the second A in ah. Anticipation. Thinking about the implications. With long-term change on the horizon, let's look at how that will manifest. There's three really important points here. First and foremost, the money dries up in a recession. Budgets shrink and expenses are cut. Businesses will shrink themselves healthy. And if you're not essential to their operations, you will lose them as a customer. This doesn't mean you won't find different customers who need your product. It just means that you might expect a shift in the composition of your customer portfolio. We'll look into that later. Second, people are insecure and frightened of things getting worse. That'll translate into their willingness to make long-term commitments, both as customers and as partners. Your customers will be more stressed than usual. They will be less forgiving when it comes to issues, which will impact your customer service load and the intensity of the work involved. Sales and marketing will become less effective, first because the context in which they happen changed, and later due to increased risk perception in your prospective customers. And the third point is that operational capabilities will change all over the place. In your business, you might experience this in the shape of the team being less effective. Employees might look for safer jobs, or contractors might stop freelancing altogether. Services you depend on might make radical changes to survive in a recession. Some might go out of business. Your customers might experience a shift in their needs and requirements that you will have to anticipate. So here are a few things you might want to pay attention to and the questions you'll need to find answers to as well. The first thing is legislative changes. How are governments reacting to the cause and the consequences of the recession? How does this affect the regulatory landscape? What can you expect there? The second out of five is changes in technology. Are people using technology differently during or as a result of the cause of the recession? Which outdated preferences might you rely on? What are you selling to? Do you need to realign your messaging to reach people using these new technologies? The third point here is market movements. Are purchasing patterns going to change significantly? Will important players in the market thrive? Or suffer? Is your niche still going to exist a year from now, or is it transforming into something else? Will the market be saturated or will it expand? The fourth point is labor. How will unemployment impact the availability of talent for your business? How quickly will unemployment rise? Right? Are your employees feeling safe with you? Will they look at other jobs? This concerns your own employees, the people in the job market for your business. And the last point is competition. Will there be more or less competition in your industry? Are competitors failing? Why is that? Are there new competitors springing up? What motivates them to do so, which it didn't before? Will funding sources in your market dry up or will investors spend even more? What kind of businesses will they fund? 
And then will businesses that were not generating revenue, essentially aspirational hockey stick unicorns, because they had a lot of funding, suddenly have to make profit in a way that impacts your market? Which default live businesses are turning into default dead? And what's happening there? Let's take a look at the COVID-19 pandemic as an example of how to anticipate these kind of changes. Governments responded to the pandemic with social isolation policies, massively disrupting existing consumption patterns. As a consequence of these quarantine efforts, work from home became a necessity for many, resulting in a explosive increase in the need for enabling technologies like video conferencing or collaboration tools. So with school-aged children being forced to stay home as well, edtech tools and homeschool-related fields became much more interesting all of a sudden. And then with people working from home and having their children around, a lack of social connectivity tools designed for this purpose became clear. Companies who had until recently only marginally served these fields are now starting to intensify their efforts to move into that market, increasing the competition among the available solutions that are already there. Other markets started drying up temporarily, mostly in industries related to tourism or any non-virtual kind of entertainment. But then virtual entertainment, think of Netflix here, businesses, they began to see sharp uptakes in usage and delivery businesses were overrun with orders. Today, on the 19th of March when I'm recording this, if you want to get any Amazon Fresh here in Berlin, um, you have to wait for two weeks for them to actually start delivering. So all the time slots are overbooked completely for two weeks out. All of this happened within the first few weeks of COVID-19, of the pandemic. The long-term repercussions of this event are unclear at this point, but the forces set in motion, they will result in lasting changes to industries, professions, and personal lives. So... That's where we come to the third R, the third A in in R, the adaptation. Implementing a response to all of this, you will need to be on your toes to be able to react to changes quickly and reliably during a recession. You can prepare for this by segmenting the actions you'll need to take into two main categories. Short-term activities you can take right when a recession hits, and long-term activities that you can expect to take during the downturn as an ongoing sort of activity. So let's talk about short-term adaptations here. The best antidote against money drying up is having it before it stops moving. You want to be the last person to hold it before no money moves at all anymore. Your immediate goal when entering a recession should be to have, or at least quickly build, a war chest. Collect revenue as much as you can, as soon as you can. Even if you need to discount them heavily, offer and advertise yearly subscription plans. Give your customers a pay-ahead-of-time offer that they can't refuse. You need more runway than usual over the next couple months when you head into recession. Try having at least three months of cash, as if you had no revenue at all, and have that money on hand. That should be the minimum to aim for, to give you enough time to buy yourself time to make impactful changes. If you're not yet profitable, double this to six months of cash. In this case, turn on your revenue engine as soon as you can. Even if it's terrible at the start, in the beginning, it's better than nothing. If you can get your revenue working while people are spending less and less, that'll be a testament to your entrepreneurial skill. And it can only improve from there. Get it started as soon as humanly possible. 
The second point, focus on sales now, right this moment. You will need to land your customers before they stop spending their money due to budget cuts. Somewhere in the financial and controlling departments of businesses all over the world, people are dusting off the old emergency budget cut plans. Get in there before the door closes. And finally, a thing you can do right when you get into a recession is to cut your own expenses. Cut all non-essential subscriptions. Even if it's a bit more extra work, the cost for those services might mean the difference between staying afloat for one more month or having to declare bankruptcy. And this, this point in particular, is an excellent opportunity for some reflection. Who could be doing to your service what you are doing to all of these non-essentials now? For whom are you the non-essential thing that is ready to be cut at a moment's notice when things look bleak? Think about why that is and how you can become the service that your customers decide to keep in moments like this. So having a war chest Focusing on sales early and cutting expenses are good practices in any kind of economic climate. When you're entering a recession, they become necessities. They're not just nice-to-haves anymore. Another thing that is more important than ever at this point is to focus on crystal clear communication. Be clear to your customers that you intend to stick around with your business. Be explicit about the measures you're taking to deal with the uncertainties of the immediate future. Some customers may complain about your communication because every service they use has something to say at that point. I believe that as a customer myself, I would rather ignore one more email than having to wonder if the business I depend on is actually aware of what's going on. So send out that state of the business email. As much as I have like 20 of them in my inbox right now, I'm not reading all of them. If there was something that I really depended on, I would read that email and feel more confident in the business. The reason why you need to be extra clear is twofold. Initially, you need to soften the blow for people who are just starting to realize that their mental model of the world differs from the reality they live in. If you position yourself as someone who began diligently preparing before they even considered the economic change a problem, you will be regarded as a shining beacon of perceptiveness and preparation. Later on, clear communication will be an important indicator of you just staying the course. If you're consistent and understandable in your words and actions, you will build relationships of trust with your team and your customers. This kind of confidence can make the difference in retaining a customer and having them cancel their subscription. Being straightforward with your team can mean that they don't start looking for other job openings elsewhere. That's important. Let's talk about long-term adaptations now. We kind of looked into the short term. Let's look into the stuff that you can do over the next couple months and years. Once you have taken these initial actions, you can start looking at what can be done over the next few months to make sure you stay in good shape and react to the changes that will undoubtedly begin to appear. And when I talk about changes here, I mean two things, problems and opportunities. Problems are the things we're most concerned with when a recession hits, sure. But opportunities will appear as well, and they will be the antidote to your problems most of the time. There will still be customers out there looking for solutions to their problems, even when budgets are smaller and people are cautious about buying That's why refining your positioning is vital during this time. Pay close attention to what changes in the day-to-day lives and the workflows of your prospective customers. 
learn from them about their fears and worries. And if those change, you will have to adjust your messaging to include them in the catalog of problems that you solve. If your product needs to be adjusted for this, prioritizing that will enable you to help with newly found critical problems. And some of the customers you have will quit. Some of the prospects just won't buy even if you reacted to their changing needs. Michelle Hansen talks about this on her blog. In a recession, customers just prefer to buy cheap. She recommends doing something called customer portfolio analysis, which goes like this. You look into your customer base to find which industries and customer cohorts generate the most revenue for your business. Then you trace their funding source and assess the risk of that drying up. And after that, you reach out to the customers who are in the groups that are most likely to continue to support your business. In those calls, and they have to be calls, you have to communicate with people, you find out how you can serve them even better and then double down on the learnings from those conversations. That'll make sure that you will always be validating the continuing existence of the problems you have, the problem solution fit that your product provides, and just validating all steps. You validate your audience, you validate your critical problem, your solution, and finally your product. In these kind of customer portfolio analysis calls, you just find the right people to do it with quite quickly. During a recession, you want your product to be as simple and focused as possible. And that should go into these kind of conversations as well. Any perception of craft or untrimmed fat can be detrimental to your prospect's willingness to buy. On the flip side of this, any support and help they can get from you without needing to pay will create trust and goodwill. Often, that translates into referrals and word-of-mouth marketing that circumvents people's purchase risk calculations, and that's important. If you have already helped the prospect with a valuable piece of content or a free tool, they will be much more likely to do business with you. There are a few questions that you should reflect on when navigating your business through a recession. Many of those questions don't appear as often when things go well, so it might take some time to research to get to a meaningful answer. The first one is, what are your strengths? Do you have any unfair advantages that you could capitalize on? And how can you protect your upside? Question number two is, what are your weaknesses? Where could competitors sweep in and grab vital market share from you? And how can you protect your downside? Third one is, What category are you in? And which category should you be in at this point? Has there been a category shift in your market? Will there be one? Is your market still in the Goldilocks zone for you? Is it small enough to escape the big competition, but big enough to support your business? And from that follows, number four, is your positioning accurately reflecting the value of your service? Could it be misunderstood due to changing circumstances? How can, that's number five now, how can your offer be more compelling? Is lowering prices an option? Is increasing prices an option? What can you do beyond that kind of stuff to make purchasers feel safe in choosing to buy your product? How can you get existing customers to commit more to your business? What experiments can you do to find these kind of opportunities? And who can you have a conversation with to find new avenues of talking to with your customers? For the COVID-19 pandemic in particular, ask yourself how the existing and potential implications might impact your business. First one is, are you serving profoundly negatively affected industries like travel, tourism, or in-person entertainment? 
what can you do to help these businesses cope with the changes that already happened? And how can you help them prepare for regulation changes and shifts in consumer behavior in the future? The opposite of that would be, are you serving industries that benefit massively in these kind of times, like education technology or remote work technology or home fitness? How can you help them shoulder the increased demand at this point? Are there opportunities to help stragglers in those industries to catch up with the new reality? Is your service ready for work from home usage? Do security requirements change when it's not used from inside a company VPN? Or how can you provide that? If you already do, how can you position yourself favorably? How can you tell people about this being a tool that can be reliably and securely used from home? Another question is, how will prolonged social isolation affect your customers? Because with conferences and meetups and workshops being canceled, how can you help your customers communicate with each other? Can you enable your existing network of customers to form a tribe? Is there any kind of network effect that you can leverage at this point? Does the inability to meet face-to-face -face maybe even impact the sales potential of your customers? How can you help them with that? Like if the industry that you depend on as your customers can't reliably do sales anymore because they can't go to people's homes or into their businesses, is this going to be a problem? How can you facilitate this kind of stuff? And then finally, one of the more yeah, morale and ethically charged, morally and ethically charged questions is, which of your marketing efforts can be viewed as profiteering off of a catastrophe? And how can you control the messaging around it? Over the last couple of days um, on Twitter and all kinds of social media, people have been trying to help and market at the same time, producing uh, discounts or producing free trials to products that usually don't have them as a both a way to get more customers. That's the questionable part and a way to help people in trialing times. So how can you make sure that you're doing more good than harm with this in a situation like that? As a safety precaution, in a recession, I would recommend always starting to look into adjacent markets that have some sort of overlap with the current market. If your business is threatened, you can move sideways there and take your customers with you. In some cases, you might even find excellent opportunities to partner, partner up and, mu and mutually promote each other's projects, both within your own industry or um, into adjacent markets. And it's just in times of need, band together, right? This is just as true for families as it is for service providers in many industries right now. Everything that can reduce the risk for your customers will help you and it will help them. It means making your product more stable, offer more and better guarantees, find alternative suppliers in case your supply chain is impacted or has the potential to be impacted. If you see something happening within your niche, move along with it. Don't resist where things are going. Align your business with the trajectory of your customers' needs and requirements and just reduce ambiguity wherever you can. Be the scalpel and not the Swiss army knife. Just be clear on what you do. It goes back to the clear communication I talked about earlier and the focusing on providing like an excellent, vital problem-solving product. That would be a scalpel, right? And do one thing really well and have a clear value proposition that can help your customers solve their critical problems, that will reduce risk for them the best you can. Revisit your strategies and tactics regularly. And I think that's that's important when it comes to um, what's the last point of the adaptation part of this um, framework. 
things change quickly, particularly during the initial phases of a recession, right? There are weeks when decades happen. What was the right choice last month might become damaging to your business by next week. And keep your messaging under close observation. The sensibilities of people shift precariously and quickly, and your marketing slogans from last week might be tone deaf today. So really revisit strategies and tactics regularly. Do this on a weekly basis. I would recommend that, if not daily in the beginnings of a recession. So let's talk about the H and R, um, healthy optimism, uh, optimism, trust in progress and the good in others. Because let me quote here, this too shall pass, right? The one good thing about recessions is that they eventually end. They end because things just turn around. That doesn't happen by chance. It happens because entrepreneurs believe that it can be done and then they just do it. This trust needs to come from within you, the founder. You need to have an inner compass that guides you through these times. Believing that your business is doomed won't help you make the right choices to keep it afloat until things are better. I've always been a very optimistic person myself. And I think it's important to see the good in other people, even when times are tough and they are acting from a place of fear and uncertainty. So I have three points here. Show empathy is the first one. Show empathy for other people's plight. Guide them to make good long-term choices and supply the tools to do that. Remind them to focus their energy on the things that provide value to others. Stay away from negativity and don't join the chorus of the alarmists. Be a voice of reason and productivity that people can follow, because they will. Stay confident in your ability to adapt to changing circumstances. Create processes in anticipation of major shifts. How will you handle increasing customer service workload when new regulations change people's workflows overnight? What happens when your crucial employee gets sick and has to stay home for weeks? Prepare for contingencies like that, and they won't be more than small bumps on the road for your business. And finally, be generous. Don't fire your employees if you can avoid it. Ask for people to take a pay cut, which is often called the recession discount, and pay it back when things are better. Show your workers that you're in this for the long run. They will stick with you if they see a future in your company. With a healthy dose of optimism that resonates throughout your actions, and that's important, you will create the required alignment to get through the recession together. Tough times will eventually be over, but tough people remain, and banding together even closer with your team and your customers, that will make you able to weather the storm. So let's get to the last point, the exclamation mark in ah, which is action. Act deliberately, but act. One of the most important things to do when you're entering a recession is to overcome analysis paralysis. Technical founders are particularly prone to decisional perfectionism, and that can ruin your business more than ever when you're facing a recession. Don't act rashly, but act. Take a day for reflection. Work on your awareness and acceptance of the changes to come. Make sure you have answers to all the questions regarding the future of your niche, your customers, your business, and your own personal life. Reflect on these things thoroughly, but try to keep yourself from going down rabbit holes. Nobody knows what the future will hold, and we're all giving our best guesses at this point. If your approach to your business is systematic, 
you will increase the chance to emerge from this recession successfully. Make notes on how you came to your conclusion. This is really important. What might seem perfectly reasonable today might never again be in the future. So if possible, make a recording of your train of thought in an audio or video form or just write it down. You might need to revisit a lot of your assumptions later and it will help you to jog your memory at that future point in time to have a recording. Let your reflections stay with you for a day or two. Recessions usually last for months and years and there's no harm in giving your brain a day to process your thoughts. And after that, get right to work. There will be a lot to do. So now I want to share a few additional thoughts. This is all new, right? People around us are losing their jobs and careers are hanging in the balance. Everything is unexpected. There's a lot of irritation and a lot of advice. Treat every piece as advice as a starting point, not as a finished strategy. And this includes everything I just said. Reflect carefully on everything you hear and make sure it applies to your unique circumstances. I said in the beginning that every recession is unique. Well, every business is unique. So combine these two things and advice will be a hit or miss most of the time. It's just important that there's a few strategic goals that you want to reach, which I guess is survive and build a business that comes out of this even stronger and Having the, the concept of this, right, awareness, anticipation, adaptation, optimism, and action gives you like a framework to think about it. But still, every single part of the information I gave you today, you will have to reflect on for your unique situation. It's just important for me to talk about this because I've been reading a lot over the last couple of days and there's always a lot of information out there even more now that everybody is focused on Corona and COVID-19. Twitter is full of this stuff. Like there's essentially nothing else going on than people wondering and talking about it. So there's a lot of advice out there. I try to condense it into something meaningful and actionable with the AH framework, but still apply it carefully to your business. That being said, let me talk about what I would do right now if I still had my business that I sold a couple months ago, because there's definitely stuff that I would do at this very point to be sure that if we're going into recession, Feedback Panda would be able to weather it well. So this is what I would focus on as a bootstrapper. The first point, and I set this as both the first point to short-term adaptations and long-term adaptations earlier is to focus on revenue. More than anything else, I would get cash into our account. Even as we didn't have employees, we would try to get as much in there because we would need to outlive the competition and the potential competition that won't make it as long, right? That's always a thing. And I learned this by reading a book called The One Hour China Book. It was very interesting. I read this in preparation um, for going to a conference in China when I was still the yeah, co-founder of Feedback Panda and we still ran the business. We went to um, a summit, an education technology summit in, in Beijing. And I just read up on China leading up to this. And this is a book called, like I said, The One Hour China Book by Townsend and Wetzel. And it explains a lot about the Chinese 
industry and business culture. And one of the things in there was very interesting, uh, talking about Huawei and the kind of competitive environment around these gigantic companies. And in China, it's it's very clear that there's always this winner-takes-all perspective on competition. It's prevalent in every single industry, but it's the strongest in high-tech and in retail. You see that a lot. So companies will just start competing with each other and try to outspend each other when it comes to just suppressing the other business, try to make um, as many investments as possible, try to just spend as much as they can to grab the whole market so that the other business implodes and they are the last one standing, getting to reap all the benefits. That is the perspective that is very prevalent in China when it comes to business. And honestly, in a recession, you don't need to take this extreme perspective, but you have to think that there will be more competition, competition will be fiercer. So at least you will have to be somebody who stays with your business, stays alive longer with your business than the others, right? Might not be very altruistic, might not be a lot of solidarity in this, but it's very important because the economic downturn means damages to businesses and some will not survive this. So to do this, I would force yearly subscriptions and advertise them as much as possible within our product. We always had around nah, eight to 10% of our users um, have yearly subscriptions, which if you look at the numbers, what would that be? Let's just say we have 10% of our users and we have $50,000 of a month of our monthly recurring revenue. If they were monthly subscribers, that would be $5,000. But as they are yearly, that is $50,000. And that makes a big difference. Having 50,000 coming in in a month allows you to pay for 10 times the services over the next couple of months, right? Like it, it's just it's just really helpful to have this cash up front and have somebody commit to being a customer during that time as well. And usually you discount these kind of things. So it's something that you don't necessarily refund. So you can pretty much calculate that in most cases, these dollars will be yours of the next couple of months. And that's really, really important. So I would really focus on getting yearly subscriptions or just any kind of long-term subscriptions. It doesn't, doesn't have to be yearly. It can be quarterly or half a year, just like to weather the storm in the beginning to be able to make these kind of um, purchases that are required, get the expenses that you will just have to be able to do and to be able to um, finance with the money in your account. Make sure that you really focus on revenue in the beginning. The second thing is retention. Yesterday, Danielle and I, we watched uh, The Office and there's this episode with uh, Ryan starting the fire. And in that episode, he quizzes Michael on business school test material. And there's this one thing about signing a new customer being 10 times harder than keeping a customer. This is even more skewed right now and during a recession. Right, this like people are unwilling to buy. People are um, unwilling to. They, they won't even have a budget to buy. So you need to keep the people you have. You need to keep your customers um, in your product, paying money for you to retain your business. So you need to value nurture like crazy. And for Feedback Panda, I would show our customers as much as I can how our tool helps them build a stable income stream for their now work from home job. 
Feedback Panel has always been a tool for teachers working from home. And this is a thing that is becoming obviously a necessitated consequence after COVID-19 pandemic at this point. So showing people that our tool is precisely what they need right now. And it already helps them so much with what they're doing. That would be extremely important right now. And that brings me to the third point, priority. I talked about this earlier. You don't want to be the first service that somebody cancels or unsubscribes from. You want to be the opposite. You want to be the last service that somebody cancels, right? You you want to be the the thing that people look at and say, no, I have to keep this because this is important. So drop all the non-essential feature work right now. Don't work on stuff that is not important to your product. Make absolutely sure that all your integrations continue to work and that performance is 100% as good as it gets. So people see that this is the tool they need. And that is exactly what I would do. Like Feedback Panda is always integrating with other products. I would build systems that are even more fine-grained than I had in place when we sold the business to make sure that if something breaks with the integrations, I would be on it within minutes, if not seconds. This is super important for a business to provide the service that they are supposed to provide the best way they can when people really need it. And that is right now. And I would show customers how our tool is the one thing that makes their work from home job bearable and scalable. Bearable because Feedback Panda really helped with a tedious task that people didn't like to do. And scalable because it allowed people to really turn a second job into their primary job, which is even more true now. Like we had a lot of customers at Feedback Panda that were both teachers in the regular brick and mortar school. And then were teaching English online from their homes like before school or after school. Well, now that schools are closing, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to continue teaching online even more. So using our product for this would help them even more than before to make money and to actually pay the bills. They would probably rather quit coffee. (laughs) Not sure about that, but they would quit other expenses than quit using Feedback Panda because that is the difference between working for, for, I don't know, six or seven hours without it or working for eight or nine hours with it just being capable of doing this like handling all the additional work and that is a 30 40 percent 25 to 30 something percent increase of potential money that comes in at the dire time like this right so telling people um that it's a priority and not telling them showing them that it should be a priority for them is one of the most important things that you can actually do for your business right now your communication in your customer newsletters in your on-screen messaging just in the wording and the, the copy on your marketing page and even your customer service conversations like just make sure that people understand how vital your product is to them right now And finally, I want to talk about something else that came to my mind earlier today, and that's what they call the Corona mini pivot, mini pivot. And this is inspired by two industries right now. One is distilleries in Ireland, the makers of the Jameson whiskey, who are converting their production from whiskey to making alcohol gel for medical purposes. And Ford and GM in the States who are thinking about building ventilators in their factories that uh, have currently stopped car production. 
So you don't necessarily need wartime law to get companies to actually help out in this situation. They're interested in actually having a populist left to sell to in the future. So they will try to help all by themselves, apparently. So ask yourself as a bootstrap business, obviously you're not going to have a factory and make alcohol gel or ventilators for the hospitals, but what small thing can you help with? As a person, as a founder, somebody in the community, can you give a free webinar in your field of expertise, for example, or host an online meetup? Or can you offer, and that is a financially questionable thing, can you offer the Corona discount for verifiably um, affected customers? Can you give them some help, like stretch their payment or something, if you know that they're gonna stick around? Like, can you do something small um, for the people that are affected? And can you share what works for you and what doesn't with other founders online on Twitter, on indie hackers, in the communities, um, in your on your own blogs, in your newsletters, whatever you have? Like, how can you share what helps you in this situation that could also help other people? Gives people perspective and reduces the chaos. And it's important, I think, for founders because we're always living in chaotic times anyway. It's just that now we have additional chaos all around us with our families. We can't visit our grandparents. We can't. Uh, we have our kids around at all times. We don't know what's going on. Our friends are getting sick. Our friends are getting laid off. Like this kind of stuff is a bit much. So if you can help founders with ideas on how they can make their business better and how they can just live a more normal life, as normal as they can, as normal as it gets as a founder, to be honest, help them by sharing your story. And I just talked about the Corona discount. I just want to add one more thing. Over the last couple of days, I've heard the term Corona discount, which I guess is a version of the recession discount that I mentioned earlier. Only do this if you can afford it. If you're on thin margins already or not making enough money to support yourself, don't. It's not the time to discount your product so that a potential profit turns into a loss. You will do the best for the economy that is suffering right now by having a profitable business that pays taxes and adds economic value. You will do, do nothing. You won't help if you have a business that implodes, right? Don't overextend with your well-intentioned help only to have your business wither away from the damage. It's not going to do any good. So just make sure that if you give this kind of discount, be in a position where you can afford it. Don't turn it into a marketing thing. That's what we talked about earlier with the perception of it being like a ploy, but also don't damage yourself. If you want to help, help by being successful and help by making other people successful. Enable them to do their job the way they can. They, they did it before from, from the office. Enable them to do it from home. Enable them to help other people, help other people. Just be this source of empowerment with your product. That is the most impactful thing you can do. And mostly stay healthy, stay safe, and make sure you keep communicating with your loved ones. You're not alone in this. And just reach out to people. Send me an email if you want to and talk about stuff. Just stay in touch. You're not in this alone. So thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-E-H-L, and you can check out the blog on thebootstrapfounder.com. I took the article that I just 
talk to you about and it's, it lives on the bootstrapfounder.com slash recession if you want to share it with other founders that you know if you want to support me in the bootstrap founder podcast please leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts and wherever you subscribe to this podcast it'll help other founders and founders to be to find the podcast and learn more about starting running and selling their bootstrap businesses thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day bye bye <laughs>